0: Sorry, I had to use a microphone as we're recording this, um, the message only. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, would we not have handed him over to you? Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But, but we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die see, Jesus had spent time by this point with the high priests and they couldn't kill him so they were bringing him to Pilate why couldn't they kill him? Because they were under Roman rule and the Romans were the were the ones who oversaw life and death, right? They were the ones in charge now Jesus had committed a crime in their eyes of blasphemy, right? He had said that he was God and that was a sin that was a crime punishable by death, but death by stoning but they couldn't stone him. First it was first they couldn't because the Romans wouldn't let him. but also they couldn't stone him because the Passover was that day, that was the day of the Passover and they wanted to be able to eat the Passover meal because and you couldn't if you had touched someone dead and so they didn't want to they didn't want to defile themselves in that way. They wanted to stay super religious. They wanted to stay clean of this crime, this death. They wanted to stay clean of it. So they couldn't kill him. They needed Pilate to do what they couldn't. See, so they needed they, need, they needed someone with authority to do what they could not do. All this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he would die, that, that the prophecies of, of Isaiah and, and others in the Old Testament that, that prophesied that Jesus would die by crucifixion. That, that hundreds of years before Jesus was alive, that, that the Old Testament records that, that the kind of death that the Messiah would suffer was not even the sort of death that people were aware of and yet jesus needed to fulfill that why because he's he is jesus is god in the flesh he is the promised messiah from the old testament we continue reading in verse 33 so pilate entered his headquarters again and called jesus and said to him are you the king of the jews Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? See, at this point Pilate is not impressed at all with what the Jewish leaders were trying to do, but, but he is there to deal with their these sorts of issues, their issues. He's that's his job. And he wants to know the basis of their accusations and why are they saying these things about Jesus? But what does Jesus how does Jesus respond to that? by pointing out to, to Pilate that he doesn't have anything to accuse him of either. He's, he's in the same boat as the Jews. He has nothing to accuse Jesus of. He's in essence asking, Jesus is in essence asking Pilate, so you tell me, what do you think? And as we just talked a moment ago, uh, Michelle and I were, were talking, that that's exactly what Jesus is doing for us here in this passage too. He's asking us, so what do you think? What do you think? Who do, who do you say I am? Pilate is a little frustrated. He responds in verse 35 What, am I a Jew? Your own people and the chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? He asks. And Jesus replies My kingdom, my people are not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. Jesus is pointing to heaven already. His kingdom, His kingdom is a people that that He was talking about in our last series of messages where we talked about this community of God. It's a kingdom community that He's building that's that's built on love. That His people are those people. People who love one another. Who hear the truth and, and follow it. And again, not sure of why he's here, what the Jews are thinking, why they hated this guy so much. Pilate is at a loss. But Jesus wasn't there to defend himself. He was there to ask pointed questions. Asking, him, so what do you say? So what do you say? Pilate said to him in verse 37, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose, for this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world. Here it is, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, "What is truth?" And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, "I find no guilt in." You. And he goes on, but we're going to pick up there next week. But what is the truth, Pilate asks. Jesus says, I come to to show the world the truth. And Pilate says, what is that? What is that? I find no guilt in it. None of this makes sense, Pilate is saying. See, Pilate knew Jesus' innocence. Yet we know what happened. Why? Because Pilate was there, was operating, please men not to keep the truth. So the question today is, what is the truth, and why does it matter? What is the truth, and why does it matter? Three things I want to talk about real quick, and I'm going to ask Michelle if she ever wants to jump in, just to jump in. Uh, but the first one is um kind of truth that, that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Because let's face it, this is, a, this is a reality in our world. This is a question of what is truth. That's a question that, that probably the disciples didn't get hung up on in much. You know, the word truth is, is, is used more in the Gospel of John than anywhere else in the Bible. John pointing to Jesus as the truth. We wrestle with this. In, I think two ways that, that we wrestle with it. The first one is subjectivism. And the other one is relativism. Subjective truth and relative truth. Subjective truth is is when I become the subject, Right? I determine what is ultimate truth. What's true to me. We hear that all the time. What is true to me is what really is true. Right? If it's not true to me, then it's not really true. I'm the authority. I'm the center of my universe. Right? So many people have struggled with Jesus' proclamation that I am the truth. How can we really know the truth, people say. The second one is relative truth. And this is, where we decide it's it's all relative there is no absolute truth it's all relative because it depends on the situation is it is it a crime to speed well it depends is it a is it a is it a sin to drink well it depends is it is it a sin to get drunk well it depends is it a sin to 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 tell coarse joking is, Course jokes is scripture called it well it depends is it wrong to to cancel church on sunday well it depends it depends that's all relative right that's the one that we wrestle with because because we corporately are the authority we as a as a culture our our society are the standard we're the center so these flaws are obvious when we think about this coronavirus that we're all surrounded by. The truth being that you have it or you don't. We don't wrestle with the reality that well I feel fine, but I don't so I don't think I have it, so I must be fine. I feel okay. Right? In my community there hasn't been a case of it, so I'm sure I'm okay too. No, we worry. Do I have it? I'm not sure. See, we see these as foolish comparisons when it's clear. But what about when it's something we identify with, when it's something we enjoy? Then we tend to blur the lines. Think about the things that, that we know are wrong, but we do them anyway. Right, we 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 justify, right? Greed, we stress over money, we worry when we're not trusting God, right? The obvious ones, you know, like I mentioned earlier, drunkenness, or gossip, or gambling, or drugs, or pornography, all those things, judgmentalness, unforgiveness, all these things that we can justify our stance wherever we find ourselves dealing with these but let's run it through the test my fill in the blank my issue whatever it is only affects me besides it's no big deal it's not really hurting anybody else see what I mean Does that sound familiar yeah we do that all the time right it's it's just me it's it's just us it's it's not that big a deal how we rationalize sin. That's how we rationalize it. We bend the truth. And that's just what, what Satan wants to do is to lock us into a life where we fail to glorify God. Into a life where we're the center of our universe. Where we seek our truth, right? What it was what it, meaningful to me, my truth. The Bible lays this out for us in Romans 1. Romans one twenty five. Michelle, could you read Romans one twenty five for me? Romans chapter one verse
1: twenty five. Mm-hmm. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised amen
0: when you think about where sin comes from this is it this is it we trade the truth for a lie we trade the truth we decide what's true we put ourselves at the center of the universe we we allow culture our society to tell us what is true and what is right Well, everybody's doing it, so it must be okay. It must be the right thing to do. It's what I should do. We stop questioning. We stop thinking, I believe. We just vote, D or R. We don't take those ideas that a politician may have to Scripture. We do what is we think is right, without ever really considering what the Bible says. Did you have something?
1: Yeah. Um, so First Corinthians three six, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. I mean, it's pretty obvious that God wants us to be clean. He wants us to come to Him on a regular basis. He doesn't want us to live by world standards. Amen. But by Him.
0: Amen. And that's what Jesus is saying is here, I am the truth. I am the one that's true. The Bible tells us that and, and he says that I am the truth. I'm not a truth. I'm not I'm not true. Like it's relative, it's subjective. No, he says I am the truth, an absolute truth, that there is. that there, God, Jesus is, God is the one that overrides all of our thinking. A truth that, that can be known. James chapter 3 verses uh, 13 through 18. I want to look at it real, real briefly. But but James 3, 13 it says this. I don't know if I have it up here. Yeah, you probably can't read that if you're on the screen. So, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is pure. Is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. See, go back to that verse, verse fourteen. But if you harbor jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. To the truth, don't be. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's writing this to Christians. If he's saying, if you're a follower of Jesus don't neglect Jesus. Like, like follow His way. That truth is the way of Jesus. Don't turn from that and get caught up in jealousy and selfish ambition. No. You see, truth matters because what we believe determines how we live. What we believe determines how we live. What do I mean? I mean, if you believe this coronavirus is a real threat to your life, or to those you love, then, then you're going to live differently than someone who thinks that it's a plot by the government to keep us all inside. I mean, you're just going to live your life differently. What you believe about this virus will determine how you live. And some of us are, frankly, are, are angry. Some of us are fearful. I mean, I was watching the news this morning, and, and to see people uh, getting—I mean—fighting over water. That they can go home and turn on the tap and fill up all the jugs they have. And they're fighting over, they're fighting over toilet paper. It's there's no way to explain it other than Satan. Believing a lie. Trading the truth for a lie. What do you believe about this virus will determine how you approach it how we as a church approach it. I used to love the TV show uh, back when we first got married, X-Files. Uh, and the tagline to the X-Files was, the truth is out there. Right? Uh, if you don't know, if you're not a geek like me, then you wouldn't know, but uh, the X-Files fantastic TV show, and I still enjoy it, because uh, I'm kind of a sci-fi kind of geek about that. But the truth is out there. And on that, in that TV show, uh, Scully, they were they were always searching for the truth. right? But reality is that Jesus says, I am the truth. I'm I'm putting it right here in front of you. And it's obvious when his people are following him. That's what this passage from James is all about. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds It shows no favoritism is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Are we peacemakers? In this epidemic that we're in, I pray that we as a church can be can be peacemakers. That this becomes a, a place where we can be ministry for our community. That people are in need, that people are hurting. And we can't allow them to be deceived by fear and and Our society who tells them what's right, to 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 run and fight over toilet paper, steal water from your neighbor. No. So back to Pilate's question. What is the truth? I believe first that truth can be known. Truth can be known. John one verses one and two says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. The word was with God. He was the beginning he was with God in the beginning. He, the truth, Jesus. Continuing in verse 14. The word became flesh, Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. So we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. What? Full of grace and what? Truth. Truth. See, truth is far more than facts of two plus two is four. Right? Truth is far more than that. It's not just a knowledge that we act on it, that I'm, of how I'm supposed to live my life, to be generous, to be peaceful, to be all those things that, that James was talking about in the passage we just read, that it. it's more than that. It's more than a than a knowledge that we have. It's, it's a truth that acts upon us. And while we can't change the truth, because it is, truth can change us. It sanctifies us. Because truth always existed. When I became to faith in Jesus, <clears throat> I remember the, being convicted of my sin, right? I remember that that experience of my sin towards my wife. I remember how my neglect of our relationship was affecting her. And as I look back on it, it, for sure, it was a sense of compassion that overwhelmed me. And I loved my wife, but that wasn't what changed me. It was the overwhelming sense of compassion that I felt from Jesus. It was His love that I became overwhelmed with. And that's what changed me. See, the truth changes us. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life." No one comes to the Father except through me. See, truth is real. It's for sure it's real. It's an idea and it's a person. Not only can you know it, not only, but you can know him. And better than that, you can be known by him. That's what changed me was Jesus' love for me. Being overwhelmed with that. And that drove me to to ask my wife for forgiveness. And, and to seek to live my life differently so I didn't neglect her. That's the love that changes. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses three, through 3 and 4 says this. This is good and pleases our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth? Jesus wants us all to know the truth, To not to live on lies, not to live bound to what culture tells us is true, what, what we think is true because it's about us. No. Jesus, God wants us to know Jesus, the truth. Jesus is the one that convicts us of sin. Because we might experience guilt, and I would say guilt is from Satan, but, but I believe guilt doesn't change people. Thing I believe that changes us is when we experience his love. When we experience the love of Christ in our life, it, it, it makes us want to change. His true love was. So John was talking about in, in chapter 8, verse 32, when he said that we've already talked about. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is will set you free. That's That's the last thing I want to say about this today is that what do we do now that we've been set free from? What do we need to do? If if the, knowing Jesus is what changes us, what sets us free from our past, from our pain, from our from our cult, from just living our life like the way the culture tells us to live our lives. If we've been set free, if Jesus sets us free and yet we're not feeling like we're Free. We're feeling anxious about this illness. We're feeling anxious about our work or our, our retirement, for goodness say We're feeling anxious about all these things. What is it that's holding us in fear? If He's set us free, if we're a follower of Jesus and we've been set free, then what is it that's holding us back? I mean, the Spirit of God is, is trying to pull us forward. That's what sanctification is all about, right? He's trying to make us holy, He's working in us to make us like Jesus. But for many of us, we aren't there yet. What's holding you back? I know it's a process, right? It takes time. Sanctification is a process that takes our lifetime, I believe. But, but are we stuck? Are we are we stuck in the anxiety of the moment? Go ahead. Okay,
1: so I'm going to just finish reading First Corinthians three eighteen. It says, do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about foolishness. Men, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. And we stop thinking in the world's standards and just put our faith, our love, our hope in Christ we are of Christ and we are of God
0: so people may be tempted to ask but hey preacher you canceled church today like aren't you caught up in what the world thinks and I'd say I'd respond to that by saying that, that we talked about a lot about that and I had to come down to the, the point of view that no I'm not I'm not operating out of fear I'm operating out of love that I don't want to get my neighbor sick I want to protect my neighbor. I want to. I want to show love to my neighbor. And if that means that that I have to, I have to worship here by myself, or I have to worship at home by myself, or I have to do it online, then okay, because God is bigger than all of this. That I'm not bound to to the way the world tells me I have to live, but at the same time, I'm bound to love. I'm bound to love. That's what we seek to be stuck in. To be stuck in Jesus. Not manipulated by what the world thinks. So let me ask, Is are you stuck in your faith? Is your Are you in your relationship with Jesus? Do you find yourself stuck? You may not know. Let me just ask it this way. If you've never shared your faith with someone, you might be stuck. If you're still struggling with an old habit, an old addiction, an old hurt, unforgiveness, then you might be stuck. If you have the same reaction to someone <laughs> taking too many items through the express lane, like I do, you might be stuck. Right? But the truth, the truth will set you free. If you find yourself anxious about what a a virus may do. You might be stuck in what the world values. Because we have no reason to fear. We are in Christ. We have no reason to fear. The truth will set you free. Knowing Him, knowing Jesus, who came to live and die and show you that He is true, he is the one who has prophesied. He is the one who has promised. He came, He delivered, and He rose again. That we're going to talk about in on Easter. I encourage you this week to take some time with the truth of God's Word. Take some time with Him. And I believe that as you spend time in His presence, as you spend time meditating on His Word today, that He will reveal Himself to you we read scripture. I believe he reveals himself to us. I pray that you find that true today. Alright? Yes, ma'am.
1: One more scripture to leave for you. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. All we have to do is open it, and you, you give us exactly what we need at the moment we need it. Your word tells us everything that's from you and from the Father. Lord, thank you that all we have to do to, is to come to you for peace. You are our peace. We do not have to fear the things of this world, and I thank you and praise you for that. Lord, I ask for your grace and mercy over our human flesh, where we tend to worry, we tend to wonder. Lord, help us to not get distracted by those concerns. Lord, I ask that you take every one of our thoughts captive in you, Lord Jesus, so that we can stay focused fully on you and on your will. For we can do nothing without you, Lord, may we take this day and abide in you. and we worship you. and we read your word. Move us closer to you this day so that we can feel your presence and know the peace that you have for us. Calm our thoughts. Calm our concerns. For you are our provider. You give us everything we need. In sickness and in health, you are here with us. Help us to to do the things you call us to do that you are already working in. You don't call us to do things that you're not working in. So help us all to hear the things that you are already working in and move us in that area today. Lord, I thank you and praise you for time with you this morning. And I thank you and praise you for all that you are doing all over our nation and the world, bringing each and every person closer to you. In the name of Jesus, I thank you.
0: Amen. I invite you to join us. Uh, we're going to have a benediction here today.